We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. It's the Everton preview. This show is normally free for patrons, but we're putting out for free such such is the game at St. James's Park this Tuesday against Everton, Frank Lampard's Everton, as they travel uh, in Lampard's first league game to Newcastle United. I think it's 18th versus 16th, and it's a massive game. I've got Mickey Collin, Ben Wade, and Simon Campbell to talk you all through this fixture, what they think and what we think will happen and why. Lads, my first, my opening gambit, the first thing that comes to mind, and I've been thinking about this game a lot, is do Newcastle United simply have to win this game? And I don't mean, and we've talked a lot about must-win games. We've talked about um, this season, you've got to win this, you can't not win this, and we haven't won them. We haven't won a lot of those games yet at the time of recording, and this is before uh, two of our relegation rivals play each other tonight. This is before Everton played Brentford in the FA Cup. Um, We're still in touch and distance and we're, we're actually one of the favourites of those sides to stay up now after the transfer window and the win at Leeds. Um, do we need to win this game for the purpose of dragging Everton back into this relegation battle? I don't know who one of those first, lads, Biggie. Yeah, Newcastle have to win this game, definitely. We, we have to be the side that has had and lost or not won the most must-win games in a season in, in football history. Um, you run out of times where you can say it's a must-win game and you don't win. Um, we have to win. It's as simple as that. Everton are close to us in the league. They're a winnable home fixture. We can't not win any of our winnable home fixtures anymore. It's it it's three points or bust. I really think it's yeah. I really think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I'd agree, Mick. It's it's not I mean, it will it it does help if you can bring more teams in the relegation battle. Of course it does. But it's it's far more about what you've just said, Mickey. We're, 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 if you look at the fixtures we've got left, especially home games, these next two are amongst the most winnable. Like it, we've got to start amassing points. Yes, games in hand don't mean much at the bottom, but Burnley have, have got three on us, and they're more than capable of going on a little run. So we need we still have a really really big problem of of getting points on the board. And these next two games, while we've got a pretty much full squad minus Callum Wilson but more than enough quality to see off these two teams. We've got to start taking advantage of that situation because we might get to other games in April, in May, needing to win, but with, with more injuries. So now's the time, lads. It's absolutely, I agree, Mickey, we've got to, we've got to win these games. And your thoughts, mate? Um, 
I agree, but more on the part of Everton, I think it'd be like I, I think it's more keeping them in the the, the nightmare situation they're in and, and dragging them deep into this relegation battle. I think we've still got time. I, the the reason I say for them rather than us, is that I think it's going to be difficult to expect all these lads to come in and, and gel straight away. And they've only had a couple of weeks together. They haven't played a match together, a, a proper match yet, um, with everyone on the team. So I think we saw we we saw um, with with Trippier and Wood obviously that their first game that was against Watford. Um, we, we we could have done with a few more games just to get that sort of chemistry going with the whole team and things like that. So I, I think it's a bit difficult to kind of expect everyone to come in and, and be firing on all cylinders, although that's really what we need. But um, so I, I think I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to see the best of, of this Newcastle team straight away, but um, I'm, I'm confident we, we, we can gel and, and we're going to pick up points. I'm sure we're going to pick up points. Um but that's the thing is we've 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 dropped a lot of points against the teams around us already. Um, I mean we've already talked, but we haven't beaten any of them um, at home. So I think um, we we just just to keep Everton in. I mean I think if if we lost that would be a disaster because I think that puts a lot of uh, daylight between us and and especially with the new manager and you kind of expect Everton to have a bit of a reaction. I think this is a perfect opportunity to to, to drag them and keep them in in this relegation battle. Um, so for for that reason, I think it's got to yeah. You've got to say like Newcastle need to win this game to heap more pressure on them. And of course, and I agree, lads. And of course, uh, you know I don't I don't walk out of St James's Park on Tuesday night. I haven't seen a draw. A defeat is something completely different. But a draw and think this is it. We're relegated. But for the point you've just you've you've all raised, but Ben, you've just said there, what an opportunity! What an opportunity to put the foot on Everton's throat. New manager, let let it start off with a disaster. Let it start off in the worst possible fashion. In terms of form, and there's a lot of teams in the Premier League like this because all the teams at the bottom have been so bad, Everton have uh, only won one of their last 14 Premier League games. Now, we've only won two games all season, but just the, the, the sheer number of defeats for Everton in that time makes them the worst team in the league pretty much since September uh, or October. So it's not like, you know, it's not like Lampard's coming into a team that's had a few bad results. This has been, you know, under Rafa Benitez, a serious issue there in terms of a team. And they've lost more games than us, Everton. They've got a game in hand. I think they're the only team I haven't faced in the Premier League yet. Um, it's just it's just a massive game. I Newcastle United and Eddie Howe have to take the opportunities that are afforded to them, not just the points on offer, but Everton at home is an opportunity. Because if Newcastle win this game, and you know, let's dream for a minute, you move um, potentially outside the relegation zone. Obviously, uh, Watford and Burnley play tonight, and then there's a full round of Premier League fixtures this this midweek. But it's likely Newcastle move out of the relegation zone. They would move one point closer to Everton, who will have a game in hand, but they'll be one point behind Everton. Um, I am concerned that if we don't beat Everton, you take it a little bit out of your hands. Now, obviously, Newcastle United, it is Newcastle United's hands right now. But with Watford appointing Hodgson, and I think that's a good appointment, he'll sort the defence out. Which he'll probably win four games, minimum. You're almost like, if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's one from four, you're doing what you can do. 
But if Burnley do something ridiculous, as unlikely as it seems, if Norwich for some reason continue to win games, then it's like, well, even if we perform well until the end of the season, if they perform better, if they perform exceptionally, how do you respond to that? Is it possible to respond to that? Luck starts to come into it. We need to bring, in my opinion, Everton and possibly Leeds and Brentford. Again, Brentford, something like two wins in 15 Premier League games. We need to bring these sides who have been very bad for very long after good starts in the league back down and see and put the pressure on them. The pressure's been on us and our players all season. We beat Everton. How do Everton's players respond to that pressure? Because from what I've seen so far from that set of players, not very well would be the answer. Um, my next question would be, and it's, it's on a similar theme, lads. We, you know, there's two home games this week, and it's all it's almost like we're doing a week preview here rather than just the Everton preview. Though, of course, for patrons, there will be a full Aston Villa preview probably on um, on Thursday this week. People are talking about four points. It could be two points. It, it you know, there, there are lots of possibilities. It could be zero points. I think I think we would all agree right now if we'd lost both these games this week, it would be pretty terminal to the chance that the team's chance of staying up. Um, Mickey, maybe I think I think you said this in a previous podcast that it's four points minimum from this game. Draw against Everton and a win against Villa. Does that still represent an exceptional week for you? Or are you are you saying that I'll I'll make a bold call now, lads? I'll almost say, and points are important. It's more important to beat Everton than to do anything against Aston Villa. It's all. It's I'd rather have four points, of course I would. But if it if 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 if, if we beat Everton. And lost to lost to Villa, it would still be a pretty good week to me because of the importance of dragging Everton back into this race. What do you think, Maggie? Yeah, Everton's a dual faceted fixture, isn't it? Because because of their situation, Villa aren't going to be involved in the relegation battle clearly. But I didn't I didn't say four points on these two games is enough, mate. I said I said seven points, including Brentford, is enough. Um, we have to win the home games. I, I really do think it's just as blunt as that. We've we've we've, we've lost for many reasons. We've lost the opportunity. To not do well in the in the games that we can win, and we can beat Aston Villa at home, we can beat Everton at home. We have to do both of those things for me, because we are going to slip up and lose points away from home. And in the tougher games, we're not going to beat your Man City's, we're not going to beat your Liverpool's, we're not good enough. I haven't been good enough for a long time. I have to win the games that we're going to win. I think it's, it's just black and white now. Lance, any thoughts on that in terms of where where, where you think the the importance of Everton lies? This week, or is it just about points at this stage? I mean, Mickey being a little bit silly <clears> here to suggest turning one nose up against points against Aston Villa just because we've got to beat Everton. Well, part, partly yes, because we've had home games against everyone else at the bottom. So this is our next two easiest fixtures. So I, we can't turn up six points. Four points is the absolute minimum here for me. I, I understand what you're saying. And yes, a win against Everton. And even if we lose to Villa, it doesn't mean it's game over, but it just. It's just getting harder and harder the more times we drop points when we could potentially be taking them and we're running out of time, lads. We need you just I don't want to be going into like mid-April still thinking about well, is this game must win? You want to get to that point thinking, right, we just need a couple more results here, then we're then we're there. Um if we keep saying we'll beat Everton, lose to Villa, potentially draw at Brentford, you're just looking thinking, right, where when are we gonna have that run of games where we'll get get ourselves clear we'll get ourselves out of this because that's not getting ourselves out of this that's just that's just keeping ourselves afloat and floating in 18th isn't good enough anymore yeah you don't have to look at each individual game as an individual game do you but the the you know the collective of a, of a, a run of games is what's important if we if we were to beat Everton 
lose against Villa, beat Brentford and get a point at West Ham, I'm equally happy. As long, Everton's the only one of those fixtures, maybe Brentford as well, where you have to look at them as like an individual game because they're direct competitors for us in our position in the league. We, we It's a flashback to the worst time in recent memory, but it's like all about the accumulation of points and we just need to get those points on the board. However they come, I don't really care. You know, I, I'm slightly over this season how much I hate Aston Villa, although these two teams are playing in the next two games are the two worst teams in the Premier League. But um, just get the points. Just get the points, lads. I think as well, you look at the, the Leeds performance and I think <clears> um, Leeds, Leeds weren't great, but like New, I still feel like Newcastle won, won that game. Um, and so I think for like the... Um, just internally for the for the dressing room, I, I think it is important that we we do get another win on the board, just because it's we've, we've had a massive result against Leeds, um, and it's this is it's got to be the catalyst. It's got to be the kind of the result that kick start the season because if it doesn't, line we I mean okay, we've still got half the season to play, but as you say, we've, we've we've played most of the teams around us already at home, so um, we're, we're now probably going to have to go on the road and. and, and take points and hopefully beat some of these teams, which I still think we can do, but um we've we've missed so many opportunities and we've talked about this so so far that we've we've been in some great positions in, in games against Watford, against Brentford, um, against Norwich where we had the leads and we, we had the win the, the win in the bag basically it seemed and and let that slip. So um I think at some point the team have got to show that they're they're able to see these games out and they did that against Leeds and I think from a psychological point, if they can do that and, and beat Everton. And do you know what? Let, let's go and smash Everton. You've already said that to the rubbish. Let's let's go and get some goals on the on the board. <laughs> um like this is I think this is a massive opportunity mentally to to put a statement down. And and as as I said before and, and we've all talked about, like this is an Everton team that are in free fall. They've panicked, they've gone and got Frank Lampard as as their saviour who Hasn't exactly got a great track record of relegation battles. I don't know that he's been in one. He's two uh, jobs where he's tried to buy the championship in Derby and and then try to um, win the league with with a load of kids at Chelsea. So he he doesn't know what he's in for. Um, he's never been in a relegation battle in his career. I, I, I don't even know that West Ham were that bad when he was down there. So um, like this, he he hasn't got the the experience of this and. Um, it's it's maybe he's he's obviously an appointment where they're hoping he can come in and and bring a bit of success and a bit of positivity in. But as as you say, Dodzy, like imagine we can beat these, the, the shit will leave them in. Um could be glorious. And uh, as you say, like they've had some pretty decent managers go in there and fail recently. So um it's it's a massive opportunity to to A keep keep things running for England uh, for for us for for Newcastle, sorry. Um like keeping this positivity going before we've just won my first game. Let's get two on the board. Um, but as I say, for me, the big thing about this is is keeping Everton in the absolute shit. Yeah, and you know, we won the transfer window. Most money spent in Europe. How has been backed? Newcastle are three unbeaten in the league, with probably a points total from those three games that I think most fans would have taken. I definitely would have taken three, uh, five points from Man United, Watford, and Leeds. Probably thought the points might have come a little bit differently, but who cares? And it's a massive month, isn't it? Now in the next in the next month, in the next you know, from the Everton game, in fact from today, in the next thirty days, 
I believe, and I'm just going to do the quick maths. Um, one, two, three, four, five. We have five fixtures in the next 30 days, Everton through to Brighton at home. And in the last 30 days, I think we've had two fixtures in the league. So, you know, it's a it's a massive month. It's an absolutely huge month for the team, for the football club, for the fans, for the manager and the coaching staff. And I just feel if he if imagine what we're going to be like imagine the people listening at home what everyone's going to be like if Newcastle beat Everton we you know the the momentum everyone will be bouncing come Wednesday morning if we go into this game we're sat there on 18 points and it's just it's very it's a very tantalizing feeling knowing what St James's Park would be like on Tuesday with a win you know a couple of us on this podcast three of us in this podcast are taking a day off work <laughs> For this game, because it's so it's such a big game in the build up to it. Like I just I just feel and this has been used a lot, particularly by me, so I'm um undermining myself constantly by saying it. But it's the biggest game of St. James's Park <laughs> since the last one, since the Watford game. But it is massive, isn't it? It's like tickets, it's like an occasion. Tickets for this game sold out weeks ago. You could you know, when tickets went on, on public sale, you couldn't get two together. It was. It's just like I've, ne- I've never known anything like it. And I don't think it's just the transfer window because we signed a couple of those. You know, we signed them, um, Burn and Guimaraes, who we'll talk about later. Um, right at the end of the transfer window, before these tickets had gone on sale, there's not even like a reaction to that. It's a Tuesday night game on the telly, and it's you know the, the city will be alive in the build up. I'm sure of it. I reckon the pubs will be busy through the day. It's just such a massive game. Like I, I struggle to, 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 to comprehend it. I wake up every morning. Thinking about this fixture, it's just it's such a big match. Um, we might we may as well talk about the actual physical match then, and the football. But what we're going to do first is take a short break, and there are some adverts coming up. Uh, you can catch this show every single week on Patreon before every single first team fixture for just six pounds sixty a month, and you also get these free podcasts advertisement free. So um, we will be back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Okay, lads, uh, let's talk about the fixture. Um, much anticipated debuts for uh, three players. Um, you know, at True Faith, uh, we've talked a lot about the transfer window. Uh, you would assume all five of the players start. I don't know if anyone wants to make um, the discussion that that won't be the case. I think maybe the first thing, the, the, there's two key areas of concern here, lads, um, or, or areas of interest, I might call them, rather than concern. Hmm. Who is going to play in central midfield for Newcastle? Eddie Howe has nailed his colours to a 4-3-3 mast with three central midfielders. Guimarez or Guimarez, I don't know, we'll find out. Um, is, is is I assume he's going to play, you know, he's been in an duty, but he trained yesterday, which at the time of recording was Friday, so he's, he's he's got kind of three full days, and if the train on the day, he's got four days training with his teammates to sign the player for 40 million quid, there or thereabouts. I just think, you know, he's going to start. Um, what is our central, or what should our central midfield be? And I'll start off with the question, uh, and who wants to take it, should it not include Jolim? That's a really hard question to answer because we beat Leeds with with Shelby Mankiw and Willick. Uh, no, uh, Shelby um, Longstaff and Willick. I was going to talk about Mankiw as well because I think Shock. it'll be hard. It'll be hard Shock done RSI. by. <laughs> it'd be hard done by, but I think Matty Target probably will start. Um, yeah, I Gimarish, like, like you said, Doddy, he, he probably will be able to start. People have said he might not be ready because of the he's just come back from Brazil, but the game's on Tuesday. Like, there's plenty of yeah. time. Um, whether he, whether he might be a nice introduction from the bench is remains to be seen because those three lads did so well at Leeds. Maybe, maybe Howell will um, be nah. loyal to that. No, nah. fair enough. Um, in that case, I, I think Joe Linton has to play as well because I think it'll just be a much easier way to settle in Bruno having one of his fellow countrymen and someone who can speak the language next to him on the pitch. We know that um, what we're trying to do is is transition and play the ball forward more quickly because that's been our biggest problem is getting into those key positions quick enough to to, to be dangerous and I think um, a combination of Bruno and Joe Linton can do that. Joe Linton has demonstrated that if he's playing further at the pitch which um, I think a midfield of Bruno and um, Shelby would allow us to do it means that Joe Linton can play the advanced midfield number 10-ish role that we want him to play we don't want him having to do all the donkey work in our half. He, he shouldn't have to with Bruno and Shelby, in theory. Um, so I think that that would work. I think you'd have the two playing in midfield, moving the play forward, getting the ball out to Maximan, higher up the pitch so Maximan's not having to run from his, the halfway line. I think that's that's what we'll be trying to do. So, yeah, unfortunately, Willick, who played well at Leeds, is probably the probably the sacrifice, and then there's your impact sub if you need it. 100% he's got to play. He's been the best player <laughs> this season, and it's not hard. But um, he, he has been outstanding. Like you cannot drop the bloke. If if you drop him now, then what the, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> Just like release his contract and like they offer him. Like he's been class for and he's been he has been a catalyst in terms of the way um, the the ways he, he receives the ball. Like he's he's the one of the few technically gifted players that we've got. That um, he's, he's touch is brilliant. Like he's a big part of how. This Newcastle team um, gets up the pitch, and he's also shown to be massively important in winning the ball back. Like he's 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 been a huge huge impact on this team. So I, I think he has to play because um, he's informed. That the only reason I think you maybe don't is his injuries. Um, now he, he's he's hobbled off the pitch 
No, he's um, fit. He's he, fit. Look, I know he's. I know he was fit, but he, he he's been picking up injuries during the games, and he he did it against Watford, and then was fine, and then came to the Leeds game. <clears throat> and again, and I don't know that. As I say, the only reason I would drop him is because um, maybe you want to give him a rest because he has played a lot of a lot of uh, football, and he's. He, he's involved in everything. Like he's getting back defending, as you said, Ty. He's he is getting up, up and um, sort of joining with the attack as well. And I'm not sure. The problem is, is and I can understand the the argument for Willick because I thought he, he grew into the game against Leeds. He was a massive play, part of of everything that was positive last season, and and hopefully he can can come on this the second part of the season and show his value. Um, and you probably want to keep him in the team. To, to keep that confidence going. I think it wouldn't be a great sign if and it's probably not going to do him any favours if, if we did drop him after playing pretty well um against Leeds. So I can understand that that argument to, to keep him playing. Um but I I don't he hasn't had the impact that Joe Linton has on games. And I think in terms of as I say that the biggest thing that Joe Linton's done for Newcastle is and I've said about this before we're not. We don't really have any pace, so we haven't got anybody that can stretch the game. There's not really anybody that we can kind of rely on to to sort of unleash these these quick counter attacks. So you need players that are able to hold the ball up to to allow us to get up the pitch. And Joe Linton is physically strong enough to do that, technically good enough to do that, and he's been key in in winning the ball back, doing some ridiculous skills at times to to kind of beat a player and. And give us that that platform to then unleash an attack. If you don't have that, like Shelby's not going to do it. It's a, I mean, obviously we don't know what Bruno is capable of. I think he looks, from what I've seen, looks like he's capable of doing that. But um, Joe Linton's been massive for this Newcastle team to to get up the pitch because if without him, the ball would just literally be coming back at all the time. So I, I think you've got to play him. Um, now, yes, I, I suppose the argument is you could move him further forward and maybe drop Fraser. And, and that I could I could understand maybe he's trying him in a more advanced role, um, but he's he's been so effective in that position. Why I don't I just think it would be it would send the wrong message to to move him out of that position. Um, in terms of he's been one of the few bright sparks with his problems that I can see. That's shaking his head, but uh, I, I just think I, I think he's he's got to stay in the team. So first of all, this isn't particularly an anti-Joe Linton argument because, like you say, Ben, I, I would move him ahead of Fraser. He's played, as far as I can recall, he's played one game wide right in the front three against Brentford and we played 5-2-3 uh, and he scored. So he's done more than Fraser already all, all season in that position. But I just cannot get my head around. You, you said it there, Ben, and I've heard it said a lot. He's been the best player this season. He's got one goal and one assist. One goal and one assist this season. That applies the, to the whole team. <laughs> well, Alison Maxim's got five goals and three assists. Like, I just, I just, I just can't see. I just can't see it. I just cannot see. I don't know whether it's me. And and I, I can Are you watching it. the games? Because it, well, stats, stats are great and all, but you need to actually watch what's is, going on on the pitch. <laughs> Maximan does not score those five goals without drilling that team because he's, he's nowhere <laughs> near... The attack. I think that's a, <laughs> you know, that's a different podcast, mate. But um, I just, like, I, I can see the improvement in Joe Linton. Who couldn't see the improvement in Joe Linton? Such was the low base from which he started. <laughs> but, but also, you're right. Man, Man United at home, 
superb. Burnley, I, th- I felt he played a, a genuine number 10 position. Superb. Excellent in those, in those games. You know, positive um, flashes against Liverpool, against Man City in, in those fixtures, right? It was really bad against Watford and Cambridge. Um, my issue, issue is, and this, this comes back to um, what Sai was saying, okay, like, Bruno is not going to score many goals. He's just not. His career to date suggests he, he's not. He doesn't play far enough forward. Shelby, we've got five, six years now of um, evidence that he's not going to score many goals. Ryan Fraser isn't going to score many goals. Joe Linton, even if you move him further forward, isn't going to score many goals. We need one of our midfielders to score goals. We need, we need, I, I, I'll call it now, if Newcastle get to the end of this season and the three regular central midfielders have got like like one, one and two goals between them, we're going to get relegated. Um, and I'd like, maybe Joe Linton, if he plays Joe Linton central midfield, obviously I'll support that. We'll get behind him like we always do at the match. And maybe you'll start scoring. Maybe, maybe like Sai says, with those two playing, um, it'll change, it'll be a more fluid formation um, from a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1 with Joe Linton in behind. So, so maybe. But but I'll take the argument right now that Howe plays the same formation and Joe Linton plays that same position. Like, uh, we need Joe Willock because he is the only player of all of our midfielders who is capable of scoring seven goals, eight goals between now and the end of the season. He's capable of that because he's done it. He has to play. And it might frustrate some people, but he has to play. And you saw against Leeds, I thought he was excellent in the second half against Leeds. He should have scored at the end. But again, who's there in, in the 90th minute, in the box, getting on the end of a pass? It's Joe Willock. Like, we need goals from midfield. And I don't think Joe Linton, from his whole Newcastle career to date, but also these set of fixtures where he's supposedly been this extravagant, fantastic, brilliant footballer, it's like, and I understand fans because the window has changed in two circumstances. Number one, like I said, Joe Linton was starting from such a bad position that his improvement has impressed so many. That's understandable. I, I agree with that improvement. But also the team, we've got used to lack of performances and contributions from so from so many parts of the pitch. It's almost like, well, you don't have to score if you play there. Just, just play well in your own half of the pitch, Joe Linton. You know, shield the ball well, transition the ball well. And that's all we need from you. No, we need goals. We need to stay up, lads. And I think selecting Joe Linton in that position with with the performances that we've had from him, we're not going to get goals, Si. All right, just, sorry, just before one quick rebuttal, though. Like, you've just said it yourself. Everyone's been shocking. Like, you can't go and just drop the best player because you, you think somebody else might come in and do better. Like, let's but, actually but, but the look, team at, got look at who's playing well. And, but the team got the better team. at Leeds. The team got better at Leeds when Joe Linton went off. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, just, it, co- it coincided with Javier Mankio coming on, man. Mankio changed that game. Um, I, for what it's worth, yes, I, I'm talking about a 4 2 3 1, Dodzy. I'm not talking about a 4 3 3. I think it would be mad. But he's not going to play that. I don't think. Anyway, I, I don't I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I think he, he'd be sensible to, to pick it. And it's the formation he said he wanted to, to choose. He, he thought suited this team best when he first came in. Um, he's just had to kind of get the, the, right, the right pegs in the right hole, so to speak. Uh, I think there is an argument for, I, I agree on Ryan Fraser's productivity. If the one thing he's meant to be good at is crossing the ball, and especially with Chris Wood in the team, we've not seen him put one cross on in for Chris Wood that's been any good. So I think there's an argument for Willock and Joe Linton could play in the same team, both in that three behind Chris Wood. But then you're kind of thinking, 
what are we doing with Chris Wood in that circumstance? Because Max Mann's not crossing the ball. Willick and Joe Linton are going to cross on the ball. So are we just literally going to how get long to him and hope that one of these lads can can pick up the scraps around him, which worked a little bit at Leeds. And that's why Willick was so effective because he was getting closer to Chris Wood and picking up that ball in positions. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice, isn't it, lads, to have a, a genuine selection headache. But I think a million pound will do that. <laughs> but I agree with Ben. Joe Linton has, has been good enough that it would be it would be dead harsh to drop him. And yeah, I know what you're saying. And he's... He's not. He's not been a brilliant footballer for Newcastle, and the the turnaround you've got to take in context of how bad he was before. But I think there is more to his game. I think the chance uh, he links up very well with Maximan. He links up very well with other players in the in their half. I would definitely play him, but in a four two three one, he has to so, be. So in a four three three side, who do you play? Joe Linton well, or Willock? Hundred percent. If, if he's playing a flat midfield three, it has to be Joe Willock. But um, and maybe you look at Joe Linton instead of Fraser. But I. I'm not sure. I agree. We haven't seen enough of him in that position, especially with a, a competent front three. But um, yeah, you probably just just dropped your Linton in that scenario. I just think there's so little evidence this season for Willock to play. He's been he's been poor for all but 45 minutes against Leeds for me. And I think I think it's a difficult argument to make. But I think the key point we've got here is that we've, we've the club has gone out and brought in a midfielder that's so far above the quality that we've had previously that things are going to change in there. We've had to play a flat midfield three because we've been playing with three poor midfielders. You know, you look at you look at what we think we're buying with Bruno. Bruno can do everything. And if he does that effectively, if he's able to be destructive as well as carrying the ball well, distributing the ball well, and transitioning the ball well, we don't have to have three central midfielders anymore. Because that is you know, it's a wasted, it's a wasted man. Teams that play a flat three in midfield are teams that have got bad midfielders. I think that's Eddie Howe's preferred formation. I think that we're going to see that between now and the end of the season. That's how he, that that is how he wants he wants to play that formation. I, I you know I've said it before. I disagree. I disagreed playing it for the reason I said. I thought a four two three one more players further forward suited suited the team like that. But I, I just think, and I, I could be wrong. Be happy to be proved wrong as always. But I just think. And, and to be fair, how it worked against Leeds, particularly as the game wore on, Newcastle controlled that game, controlled that midfield, um, even with less of the ball. So it's not like it, it's 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 terrible. But you know, when you say there's 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 not that much, you know, why should Willock start? Well, I just I just think in terms of natural game, in terms of who do I back to score more goals from their Premier League careers so far, it's Joe Willock that would would know he can score goals. Yeah, this season he hasn't been great. I thought he was actually one of our best players against Burnley when he was playing in a four-two-three-one alongside John Joe. That went very badly in the in the in the fixes to follow against you know um, Leicester. I think it was he had a really bad game as they all did. But I just I just think that four-three-three is here to stay. Sorry, it's just tough, isn't it? Because he's got no goals and no assists this season. He's played like eighteen times. So no, no, sorry, it's been unbelievable. <laughs> been revelation. <laughs> He was he was excellent at Leeds. Um, he started twelve games, by the way. Fourteen. Oh, only twelve. Yeah. Only the twelve. He, he put the ball in for Callum Wilson's goal against um, Burnley. Did you not hear what I said before? Maximan doesn't score five goals without Joe Linton in the team, man. <laughs> right, the next one to talk about. By the way, Mickey, are you, who, who are you starting in a midfield three? Joe. Um, starting two. Where even I would, Joe. I, I'm, I'm always of the opinion that John Shelby should drop out the team, so I think there's room in there for Joe and Willock. Oh, that is the other point I was going to say. That is an attack in midfield. Well, welcome <laughs> to England, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
We need you to be Claude Magalhaes. So uh, <laughs> you just sit in there. Get and in Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard <laughs> and Young Kabai and Czech Diote. Um, fair enough. We'll move on. We've got we've gone on a little bit longer there than I'd planned, but I thought it was a good debate, and time will tell who was right uh, and who who wanted Jordan in the team. Um, right, we've got the other big selection dilemma. I believe is at centre back. Uh, you know, do you call him Big Dan Burn? Big Dan? I don't know. Steve Bruce has moved on. The pastures new. But um, I don't know whether you're allowed to call Dan Byrne his name without referencing his height. Again, something else we'll find out about, I think, quite soon. So we've got Dan Byrne there, who assumably, uh, alongside Matt Target, comes in at left centre-back and Target at left-back. It's the other position which has got me concerned. Um, I thought Fabian Scher, who was right-footed, put his best performance in the Newcastle shirt in against Leeds. He got man of the match. Um there's you know fans are interested again it's nice to have these dilemmas i don't know who wants to take this one i think I, does anyone i'll ask you first now does anyone think jamal lascelles should play alongside burn is anyone going to make that argument silence <laughs> no, i i think it's it's time to give him a break from the team he's he's been really struggling his form's dipped so much he's become a bit of a scapegoat to to supporters he's he's, he's getting a lot of stick why not just, to, there's a perfect chance here to give him a break. I'm not saying that's the end of his career for Newcastle. He's been a brilliant servant, a brilliant captain, and maybe he just needs a bit of time out, and we've got options to do that now. Mickey? It's difficult, isn't it? I think what what, what we are going to see is LaSalle's and Byrne. Um, but what what I'd like to see is Cher and Byrne. And, and Cher did enough to show that he can be a good defender in the Premier League that can defend. Um what Newcastle haven't had for so long is two players, two centre-halves, one on either side that can actually play the ball. And it's so important in terms of building your building your possession and building your territory in the, in, on, on the pitch. At the minute, when the ball moves side to side across the back line, which happens in every team in the Premier League, when it gets to Lascelles, we're just snookered because he can't do anything with this. He panics, he like runs into someone or he makes a terrible pa- pass back across that drops the defence another five yards because he can't put it in front of someone because he's not good enough on the ball. It's so detrimental to the team. Um, so I, I, for me, it has to be, has to be Cher and Byrne, but I think it's going to be LaSalle's and Byrne. I'll just say one name to you, Mickey, Florian Lejeune. That, say, yeah. be, before an absolute idiot ruined his career and paid him off. <laughs> That's exactly it. If you flash, if you flash back to the time we were playing a back three with advanced wing backs, and you had Lejeune on one side and Cher on the other, and they were playing those long passes into the wing backs that weren't marked, it was such a class way to transition out of defence, and it worked time after time after time. And then we just, for some reason, decided, despite the fact that Lejeune was the best centre half at the club in, in every respect, that he wasn't going to play anymore. I know he had injury problems, but like loaning him out to Ibar or whatever it was for that season when we, when the same week we didn't have a fit centre-half at the club. It's just mental and we've, we've we've never got that right since. I think it was Oliver's, wasn't it? Something, but yeah. Exactly. No, I, I, I completely agree in terms of, I think, I mean, I've, I've said it for a while, I just don't think the sales is up to, to be playing as a Premier League um, defender. It's certainly not in a back four because of that. What, as we've said, he's, he's not good enough on the ball. Um, but also, I think defensively, like he's, he, he seems to have kind of <laughs> lost a mental yard. If uh, it's a bit of a silly way of looking at it, but like he's so hesitant on what he does now. Like the big thing I always thought the sales was great as was that he he kind of previously was he was very quick to and decisive in terms of what he wanted to do. He would just clear the ball like when he he would go in like attack defenders and uh, sorry attack 
sorry, defend against attackers who would go to them and kind of press them. Like now, you seem very hesitant, and he's been dominated by a few few um, strikers this year. Don't know if it's kind of the the, the impact of that. Um, obviously, we know. Well, we we think he might have suffered from potentially the COVID situation and there might still be an element of that still kind of impacting him. Um, but he just does not look the same player as he was. And I think he's kind of everything that he was, that he did that was um, good and, and kind of what, what we would want. See, is, is getting fewer and fewer each game and he's making mistakes. And as you say, Mickey, I, or, or I can't remember which one he said it, but I think this is a perfect opportunity to give him a bit of a rest. Like he doesn't need to be playing because he's not, for me, anyway, he's not one of the best two centre backs in the team at this point. So um, I understand. I think it would be very difficult to drop him because he has been the club captain and he's he's been he's probably a massive part of, of this group. And I, I think it's very, as you say, I don't think this is the end of him because he's, he's already given a lot to to Newcastle over a number of years. And he's still, I think, he can still come back. And if he can progress from where he was previously and, and develop, then there is an opportunity there. But I just think he's so poor on the ball. Um, as you said, Mickey, like in this day and age, the way everyone's playing, you need a defender that is capable, or at least competent, of passing balls out from the back. And unfortunately, Jamal Sells is not that player. Fair enough. Can't disagree with any of that. And uh, I really do hope we get to see get to see the two that that us three want to see. Maybe people disagree. There's also the captaincy element to that. Um, but yeah, it's a big. He's got some big calls to make, doesn't he? Sorry, just before I head to the end of the show, you want to talk about Mankio for some reason? <laughs> I just think it'd be, I mean, I don't dislike Matt Target. I think he's, you know, perfectly capable defender, but Mankio has never really put a foot wrong for us. He's played left back, right back, and um, he had to the, one of his the high games. pitched, the high pitch suggests, <laughs> yeah, I think, um. He had one of his best games at Leeds. He literally, he literally won us the game. It was him one two with Longstaff, who also came on and played really well. Who will be hard done by to be pied from the team here, but we we haven't really mentioned him in that midfield discussion at all. Um, they they won that free kick, which won us the game. Um, so it's a genuine um, selection headache. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why we've brought in Matt Target. To be honest, I think it's just a case of left backs being such a problem. Matt Target is got a reputation for never you know he's ever present in whichever team he plays for so it's a bit of that maybe it's just that consistency of not having to change our left back every other week um but mankia has been doing a good job there but again he he goes off injured he gets bookings so maybe it's just about about that consistency like i say um but yeah i i think he will still feature he's he's you know a right back he's he's our best option you don't want ml craft anywhere near the team again um and he's he's second choice to to target it probably but yeah, I'm just I'm a bit sad to see him just pied like that. Yeah, I was, yeah, right back in second choice of Trippier too. Yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think it'd be a really, really good squad player to have for the rest of the season. <clears throat> Don't disagree with any of that. Just really interesting. We've hardly talked about Everton. Obviously, they've got Brentford before uh, our game and after we record this. Injury news from from Everton is pretty encouraging in the fact that <clears throat> pretty much their first choice central midfield is out now <clears throat> again. We don't know what formation Lampard's going to play. Ferguson played 4-4-2 in his last game um, with Dekure and Gomez, who've been brought back in from the cold. Dekure is injured for a long time and one of their best players. Um, who is the other lad who is injured? I find out imminently. Tom Cole. Davis is, is long-term injury. Fabian Delph is a long-term injury. So there's Coleman. three. Sorry? Coleman's, Coleman broke his foot in December, so I don't know oh, if he's right, so he's out. But that midfield three, they're, kind of, they're almost missing Rafa Benitez's first choice 
midfield three. So that's encouraging. Calvert-Lewin isn't playing today due to injury. He'd just come back from injury. I think Everton hope he'd be back for our game. He's got a decent record against Newcastle as well. Hmm. That would be massive. If, he, if he's not playing right now, I'm calling it we're winning this game comfortably. If Calvert-Lewin isn't playing, then it's that was such a big blow to Lampard and Everton in their first game. I think they'll probably beat Brentford today, but it's a, it's a cup game, so it's hard to read. You know, there's an argument to say, would Lampard's first game, if he's going to get a bounce in any fixture, would that be better against Newcastle than in a cup game against Brentford? Um, time will tell. Um, lads, we may as well move on to predictions then. How you see this one going and why? Ben, I'll start with you, mate. I, I think Newcastle win this comfortably. Um, and I, I think, as I say, Everton, as you've, they've got an injury crisis. That I mean, they're, they're kind of pinning their hopes to to two players that have not been good enough to get in their previous teams' <laughs> um, match day squads on on several occasions in Deli Ali and, and uh, Van der Beek. So I'm, I'm not. They, they are potentially great players, but they're not in great great moments of their careers and I think um it's it's just it's typical of this kind of Everton um regime that they've they've basically um hoid all the, the family silver at, at these two deals and and I think that that's a massive massive gamble because you've neither player has particularly played a lot of football this season. So um I, I think Newcastle as I say bought well um are building on something I think as I say Building on from that leads leads uh, result. I think we can win this two 0 Mickey, I think two 0 as well. Um, I think we're a better team than Everton. We've got uh, better players in our squad. I don't think Fat Lampard's a good manager. I don't think he's going to do well there. I think it's a poor appointment. Um, and we just need a win. I think that's uh, that's going to come out in the players. I think they know that now. Um, two 0 tune. Sorry, <laughs> just that cut noise. Um, the I think the key, as as we say so often, is that St James's Park is going to be rocking for this one. Potentially three debutants. Um, we haven't seen that much of Trippier. Um, Chris Woods going to be a bit more settled now. I think that you've got a lot of players there who will want to um, embrace that occasion and have a just have a day uh, where where it all starts to click. Um, yeah, Donny and Delhi could could be good for Everton. I think they, they they will be more of a threat than we're probably giving them credit. Um, but I can see for a change because because of all the new players, because of the kind of sort of positive energy that's going to bring. I can see us getting the second goal that's eluded us so so often. So e- even if um, Everton score, I think we'll win two one. So I think I can see them equalising. But for once, us saying nah, we're winning this game and going and getting that second goal. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Si. Um, I, I would love a 2-0 win. I need a 2-0 win. I need to approach the last 10 minutes of a game just able to enjoy it. Like, <laughs> I can't even think of the last time I was in a football match present. I think it was Southampton in, in 20, 2019 where we were two goals up. I can't. I just can't think of one under Bruce. I, I don't know. If I, am I missing one? But I just, uh, you know, I mean, it's just mental. Um, where we got to the final whistle, and it was just like nice, and it was just there was yeah. There's obviously a massive roar, but there's just a kind of well, when you were going to win that before the final whistle went. Every other game we've been at under Bruce and under How now has been a one goal victory. Um, even fucking West Brom in the cup in early 2020, like. 
people who were at Oxford were two 0 up, and it's just like we just I just need I just need to feel whole again with a, with a two goal comfortable victory. And I mean, I think team is winning. If you went to Morgan in the cup last year, you might have uh, thought we no were pretty which comfortable, no which no one did because we weren't uh, allowed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to being at the game. Right. I think we'll win. We need to win. Hope we'll win. Like if we win, that would be four games unbeaten. It would, and it would be another fixture where Howe has failed to get beat against a bad team. All of Howe's defeats so far have come against teams with better players and better resources than him. That's promising. I think that's important for him because even if we be Everton, you know, one of Watford and Burnley could win tonight. One of those teams could win in midweek. It doesn't mean we're safe because we beat Everton, but it's a hell of a lot more likely. And it's really important that we'll win the game. We're going. If we win that game, you look at Aston Villa and the, 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 the pressure isn't gone, but it's lessened and... We haven't seen this team play without massive pressure at the minute because if there'll be a lot of pressure on that game. And if you beat Everton, you kind of bounce into that fixture rather than if you draw against Everton or, God forbid, lose against Everton, you go into the Villa game thinking win or bust. P- pretty much, you know, we'd be having these conversations if we don't beat Everton. Aston Villa, if you don't beat them, how, how are you going to stay in the Premier League? The math starts to become difficult. You could possibly be adrift if you lost to Everton. So it's just so important to win this game. If they win this game... And, you know, you lads are talking about a 2-0 win, which would suggest winning it quite well. If if they're able to be better than Everton, we were better than Burnley, the scoreline didn't reflect it. We weren't much better than Leeds, although I think we deserve to win the game just about on the balance of play. We weren't better than them. If we could be comfortably better than Everton in this fixture, what that will destroy Everton's confidence. If, they, if they've had to come here, like you say, Ben, you made a great point about him being a rookie manager. He's still a rookie manager in the Premier League. He's a rookie manager with, with limited players compared to the talent in the division. And he's a rookie manager in a relegation battle, both as an experience as a player and a manager. If we can be comfortably better than them on the night, I don't think Everton will come back from that. I really don't, particularly with the injury problems I've just mentioned there. Dakuri being out and Davis being out long-term, massive issues for them in the middle of the park. You know, we haven't even talked about their debutants. They, they've signed players who are going to start big gambles like Deli Ali, you know, Donny van der Beek, um, highly rated, but Man United aren't a, aren't a great team and he couldn't get on the bench a lot of weeks for them. Um, so, anyway, yeah, big game, big, big game. I hope everyone enjoys it. Let's let's hope that for once, for once in my lives, Newcastle United do the right thing. Everything goes to plan and we can all just have a nice Wednesday at work thinking about the night before on Thursday and Friday and Saturday to take us to the Villa game. This has been the True Faith Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We do this preview show before every single Newcastle United game on Patreon, £6.60 a month. Uh, nearly 600 people have joined us now on that platform. We're tremendously grateful to have that support to be able to keep making stuff like this for you people. Um, thanks to you, lads, for doing the show with me. Speak to you all very soon. Bye.